citizens, welcome to Beer Me a Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where we arbitrarily score a movie, and if it matches up with the Rotten Tomatoes critical score, audience score, we got to finish what we're drinking. That's that's beering, buddy. That's beering. That's like definition of beering. I'm just keeping the Hello Citizens, man. It just felt right. You know, lean in. We did it for so long, it feels weird to not do it. I agree. And if you feel my nipples right now, oh, baby. <laughs> and if anyone looks into these nipples of the future, now you don't have to because it's probably just going to stick around. Diamond cutters. They are diamond cutters. Like, I want to meet up with Leo DiCaprio in South Africa, question mark? Is that where Blood Diamond took place? Sure. I don't know. And instead of using tools or whatnot, I'm just going to, like, shimmy up against those rocks, start digging out those (laughs) diamonds. Just Just doing a little dance. Mine with my sweet nips. All top half, just wiggling. I feel like I do dance all top half. Like, I'm a bit of an Elaine Bennis when it comes to dancing. It's why I just don't. Yeah. But I'm also married, so I don't have to. That is that is one of the nice things about marriage, is you no longer have to or get to dance. Whenever me and my wife go to a wedding, she's always like scouting out who she could dance with, like friends that are there and stuff, because she's like, you're not going to fucking dance. I'm just like, you're not going to do it. You're right. You don't have anything to prove to me anymore. That's the whole thing. It's one of those things of like, open bar, no chance of dancing. Cash bar, small chance of dancing. Okay. I got to do something because I'm not going to want to pay for drinks all night. <laughs> That's true. Got to do something with my hands. Obviously not my feet. If you have a cash bar at your wedding, you're a monster. Do we have friends that did that? I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> and we have plenty of monster friends for what it's worth. That's fair. So probably. Happy last week of all audience August, Brian. Yeah, it's the last week of audience. We finally made it. Our epic fuck-up has delivered us now four <laughs> fantastic films. Yeah, it's been a great month. Special thanks to Stephanie for this one, because this week, the last week of All Audience August, where we would normally be doing this anyway, we are talking about the 1957 film. Yeah, you heard that correctly. 1957. <laughs> Time to class it up, you motherfucks. Put on your bow ties. Grow out your eyelashes or whatever Audrey Hepburn That's, does. Yeah. We'll get there. We are talking Funny Face, directed by Stanley fucking Donnan. Fucking Donnan. Oh, man. It's good to be back. One of the weird things about what we're doing here on Beer Me a Movie, this show, is I think Stanley Donnan now takes the crown for the director we've talked about most. That doesn't make sense at all, does it? Thanks, Singing in the Rain. <laughs> We've talked about somebody else twice, surely. It could be the Jack and Jill fella. You know what? (laughs) Good company, I guess. (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. It is the the Jack and Jill fella whose name escapes me. That's why I couldn't come back with a witty retort very fast, because who cares about that guy? Have you ever seen Funny Face before? Absolutely not. And now that you have? I'm glad I have. It was absolutely delightful. You got hard nips? You know, (laughs) I'm feeling a little like Fred Astaire in that in order to achieve hardness, (laughs) hardness of the nips, I would probably have to take some sort of medication. He's very old in this. He's so old. But he's also like scoring one of the most beautiful women who's ever existed. Ever? Scripted stuff is fun, especially for the old guy. You know, when you are a legendary figure like Fred Astaire, I think... You could be like, you know what, Um, I think I will do this 30-year age gap movie with Audrey Hepburn. I feel like Fred Astaire like, rolled up onto set, and they're just like, 
we got a movie for you. Who do you want to be the lead actress in this thing? And he like took his hat, turned it around like he's ash fucking ketchup and went, Audrey Hepburn, I choose you. And then just like, yeah, okay, fine. I, I It's funny you say that because I actually heard somewhere that Audrey Hepburn only agreed to do the movie if Fred Astaire was doing it. If Fred Astaire was able to get it up in his very old age, his spank bank <laughs> is eternally full. He will Forever. never have to make another deposit ever again. Not one, well, <laughs> it'd be weird if he was still making <laughs> <laughs> deposits now, but or withdrawals. That's a very good point. I don't know how dead spank bank works. Oh, well, according to Jonah Hill in Walk Hard, got no hands. You got so. no hands. You got it's one of those things of like when you kick the bucket and you leave a whole bunch of money to family members next of kin or a whole bunch of debt depending on how much of a piece of shit you are <laughs> oh sorry future children but can you imagine if like fred astaire's kids are just like daddy didn't pass any of his bucks down to us but he openly said that his spank bank is all ours what does that even mean <laughs> he somehow passed down his spank bank and been having good dreams having good dreams <laughs> unfortunately they all feature grandpa it's true. It's not some sort of like VR experience where you are the grandpa. It's you have not to a Willie Nelson situation where you're your own grandpa. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you just want to dive right into this thing? Yeah, let's just dive into it, I guess. Think we fucked around enough? <laughs> Seems like a, an appropriate amount of fuck around. <laughs> For all six people in this movie. <laughs> I'm looking at the cheat sheet. There's no one in this thing. There's nobody in this movie. Two of them <laughs> don't even matter. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, if you weren't with us last week for John Carter, then you are not aware of our new system here. We're no longer using Wikipedia for the synopsis. We have a new uh, member of the Beer Me Movie team, and that is our new AI producer, Writer McStrikely, who has provided us with a synopsis for this movie. It's going to be weird when that strikes over and we just keep calling him Writer McStrikely. It is going to be weird, but um, I don't care. Nope. I don't either. Perfect. So here's Funny Face from 1957. Picture this. Maggie Prescott, played by Kay fucking Thompson, a fashion maven with a keen eye for the next big trend, in this case, pink. It is the next big trend. It's, the, <laughs> it's very current, and I like, blew it's my super mind current. watching this. And Dick Avery, played by Fred fucking Astaire, a fashion photographer who's as dapper as a vintage pocket watch. <laughs> He's a very fancy boy. He's he so, might as so well dapper. Have on a bow tie. He has like one of those weird nerdy belt scarves. Like a fanny pack? No. No. But but kind of. But kind of. It's like one of those <laughs> things of like, are you an artist? Fuck no. I'm an artiste, motherfucker. Look, I got a scarf belt. You forgot to pronounce the E at the end. They're on a mission to find models who can, you know, think as well as they look. <laughs> Ryder McStrikely. <laughs> In comes Joe Stockton, a philosophy-loving bookstore working gal who's about to have her world turned upside down. Oh, and did we mention she's played by the iconic Audrey fucking Hepburn? Because nothing says, you've got a funny-looking face, kid, more than Audrey fucking Hepburn. Yeah, it's weird casting when you put it that way. <laughs> it's super weird. And actually, it's funny that we've already mentioned Barbie because there is a line in the Barbie movie that's very similar to how I feel about this movie. And it's actually uh, the listener who chose this, Stephanie, is the one who pointed this out. But there's a part in Barbie where 
Margot Robbie says, I'm not pretty anymore. And then the movie immediately is interrupted by Helen Mirren, the narrator, who says, note to the casting directors, Margot Robbie isn't the right actress to cast when making this point. (laughs) It's very good that the movie recognized it. Yeah, they're talking about Audrey Hepburn's funny face. And I'm sitting there going, are you for real right now, movie? Funny how? Like, funny I amuse you? Okay, give me a second about this one, because hear me out. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of reboots, usually. Reboot Funny Face with Joe Pesci. I would watch the hell out of that. And he sings, and he dances, and he speaks in a weird British Dutch accent. And he gets kissed by a CGI or holographic Fred Astaire. Why not just make it De Niro? Why not just make it De Niro? You're right. Why You're not? Right. At this point, make De Niro sing and dance. <laughs> Directed by Scorsese. Oh, so it's going to be twice as long. Probably. And there's going to be a lot of egregious camera shots for reasons. <laughs> just because we have a camera, let's use it. I had the weirdest like filming PTSD while watching this scene where Fred Astaire and Kay Thompson take over this bookstore to do this photo shoot for this one model that's there. Because they just barge in. They're like, yeah, we're going to rearrange all the books in here. And Audrey Hepburn's like <laughs> freaking the fuck out. And she's like, this, this is, is kind of like doing? guerrilla filmmaking where they literally throw her out of her own store in order to shoot in here. And then they just fuck off when they're done with the shoot. They don't even bother <laughs> cleaning up for anything. And I'm like, all right, later. Get the releases. What are you doing? <laughs> now, here's where it gets interesting. Maggie and Dick decide to use Joe's humble bookstore as a backdrop for their fab photo shoot, as we just said. And what do they do? They wreck the place. The audacity. And let's not forget that Dick's idea of a smooth move is locking Joe out and then planting an impromptu smooch on her. Hey, this was the 50s. <laughs> Things were different then, okay? Ryder McStrikely, do not defend what Fred Astaire do not, does right? here. <laughs> Ryder McStrikely was like, eh, different time. You could just kiss women who were 30 years younger than you when you were like, you look like you needed a kiss, sweetheart. Listen, McStrikely, <laughs> we all wish we can kiss Audrey Hepburn. We do. But we're not all Fred Astaire. In the 1950s. In the 50s. There was a time where this move worked, and it was absolutely the 50s. It was almost the 60s, but like they were like, no, we're going to put a stop to that, actually. We saw Funny Face, and we're like, that was creepy. It was. People turned color after that movie. (laughs) Is that a Pleasantville reference? (laughs) Damn right it was. (laughs) I wasn't ready for that. So Joe, our bohemian bookstore guru, has dreams of soaking in the wisdom of Professor Emile Flostra's lectures in Paris. Sure, you know, just like we all do. Because nothing says Paris like philosophy, berets, and baguettes. <laughs> he actually wrote that. <laughs> it is in there. <laughs> but then out of the blue, Dick spots something special in Joe, something beyond her knack for using big words. It's Audrey fucking Hepburn. It's Audrey. Oh, I noticed something in your face. It's Audrey Hepburn. I'm running out of ways to explain this to people. And what hurts even more is that I know we have listeners who are like, oh, I wonder what Audrey Hepburn looks like. Oh, that just hurt my feelings. I know, but I know that's the case. I, I have a poop story I could tell if people want to hear that later, <laughs> if that's what gets you to stick around on 1957 Funny Face or by Stanley fucking Donnan episode. Or just Google a picture of Audrey Hepburn and boom, you're in. You are in. And I'll just put that poop story in the back pocket. (laughs) Close to where it belongs. That's right. My rainy day poop story. (laughs) You always got to keep one in the chamber just in case. (laughs) Always. (laughs) 
Unless you got IBS like me, in which case the chamber just sporadically <laughs> wants to empty when you're not expecting it. And then you end up at a Lowe's because they have nice bathrooms, weirdly. <laughs> the chamber's just always kind of a little bit loaded. Isn't that what happened to, uh, never mind, I'm not going to make that joke. I think you need to. Alec Baldwin? <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, now yeah. you see my my hesitation. The amount of manslaughter charge this man has faced and not faced is ridiculous. <laughs> Unprecedented. So Dick convinces Joe to model for the magazine, and off they go to the City of Lights to snap pics and catch feelings. They do catch feelings, and... This movie made me catch feelings because the Bonjour Paris sequence is damn near perfect. It's so good. I love that they show up and they're like, ah, we've been here a hundred times. We're just going to go back to our hotel. And she's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. And all three of them go separate ways and, and just go, ah, fucking Paris. And then, of course, re-meet up at the Eiffel Tower. But it's a neat trick that they do because they all end up high up on rooftops and cliffs and stuff overlooking yeah. the city of Paris. And... It was at that moment I realized, like, they haven't shown the Eiffel Tower yet. That is kind of weird. And then they make a point in the movie to say, like, there's one thing missing. It's like, hey, you movie. <laughs> like, ah, ah, you're good. You're good. You read you, my mind. You set them up and you knock them down there, movie. <laughs> First, you make me feel like I'm taking crazy pills because nobody's attracted to Audrey Hepburn. And then you go, but wait, Eiffel Tower. While shooting in Paris, their love suddenly takes center stage, from kisses to dance numbers, all while iconic landmarks set the backdrop. But hang on, let's talk about the age difference here. Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire? Yeah, there's a bit of a generation gap there, but hey, it's the magic of cinema, right? 30-year difference. Even writer McStrikely was like, can we talk about this? Yeah, he's our <laughs> producer for a reason, but Fred Astaire is 58 years old while doing this, Audrey Hepburn 28 years old. Hey, man, if that's what you're into, Audrey, fine. Fine. Not quite grandfather age, right? It's pretty much grandfather it's age. Getting close. <laughs> you're getting definitely close. flirting with it. Now let's talk about Joe's moment of bohemian brilliance. She's at this cafe filled with intellectuals, that is, with, with quotations around it, according well, to writer McStrikely. That's because just a bunch of Parisian folks sitting around tables drinking wine while they wear black turtlenecks. Intellectuals is basically 1950s code for people who sip their coffee with pinkies extended and talk about art that probably went over most folks' heads, according to writer McStrikely. He would know. Joe takes center stage and busts out a dance number that is certainly unique. It is unique because Audrey Hepburn flexes here. Big time. She completely steals the scene. She's dancing all over the place for a solid 10 minutes. It's, it's so long. that It is so long. <laughs> The version I watched was on Amazon, but it wasn't quite on Amazon because it was in one of their free services that require ads. They put an ad break in the middle of this dance number. Why would they do that? It's long enough. It's like, hey, you get the gist here? Let's go to a commercial. And then you come back and it's like, ah, she's still dancing. It's like a family guy joke almost. Almost. And I kind of like curious what ad you possibly throw in there. Is it like the weird couple holding hands in the bathtub outside Cialis style? <laughs> On account of Fred Astaire. No, I think it was a Sonic commercial. That's worse. Was it, unless it was with the two guys in the, con the it's not a convertible, just a standard car. No, it wasn't funny. the two guys. It was just like, hey, we got half price happy hour for beverages. Drive on in. Beep, beep. Sonic. Sonic put out a whole thing of adult seltzers in their oh, own various right. flavors. And it's very frustrating that Cherry Limeade is their claim to fame when it comes to their sodas. 
Oh, yeah. Everybody knows about the Sonic Cherry Limeade. And it is by far the worst in that pack of Sonic. Wow. That's Very surprising. disappointing. It's almost like they felt obliged to include it because it's so famous. And then they're like, we just can't get it right, but we have to use it. You have to, or else you're going to get sued by everyone. Class action lawsuit. How is there no Cherry Limeade in the Sonic Seltzer pack? This doesn't make sense. I remember when my... I don't want to say town got a Sonic, but my area got its first Sonic. And there were like lines out on the highway yeah. for the solid first week of it until people actually ate the food. They're like, and they're like, oh, I'm this good. isn't very good at all. Never mind. <laughs> I've been seeing the commercials for 30 years and never been able to have it. But now I can wait another 30. You totally could if you really, really want to. They got okay hot dogs. They got. Yeah. The greasiest and structurally compromised tater tots of all time. <laughs> just tater mush. At that point, it's just hash browns, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Or just hash, not even the browns part, because the brown keeps it browned. together. It's just a mushy pot. It's almost mashed potatoes, but it has a little bit of structure. Just a tiny bit of brown crystallization on the outside to say, <laughs> look at that tot. It's a tot, look at this. people. It's not a mound of brown. Brown Mount, are we getting back to your story in your pocket? We might. We could. Sonic is, I mean, only a couple steps away. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> from both Lowe's and from poop. I texted Brian while this whole encounter was happening with this poop story. And I was just I'm losing so my mind curious. the entire time. Stay curious, my friend. I, I will. <laughs> it's probably coming this episode, let's face it. I mean, at this point, we've teased it too much to not. But we're in Paris, man. We can't do that while we're That's in Paris. Right. No. This is a classy movie, guys. Extremely fancy Paris. But wait, drama alert. When Joe finally meets up with Professor Flostra, who's played by Michel uh, Claire. Sure. French. Uh, Dick drags her away, claiming that the young philosopher is only looking for one thing. The thing that he's looking for. Yeah, he gets very territorial about her. It's not he great. He really does. The two's lover's quarrel turns a glamorous gala into a cringeworthy scene. Joe's humiliated, Maggie's furious, and things are teetering on the edge. I feel like this movie at this point turns into a, but wait, there's more? But, but wait. Is that another attempt at a segue to the poop thing? No. Oh, no. Okay. No, because that was a man standoff. Oh, a man-off. That's right. <laughs> it became... This weird competition of manliness. Just think of five individual men in five individual stalls and knowing that everyone is full. And also, everyone's talking. Oh, wow. I was hoping for like like a dueling banjos type situation. No, it's not like a battleship situation. <laughs> but now, now I'm very intrigued. Right, you know what? They're in a lover's quarrel. We might exactly. as well talk about poop. We might as well talk about poop. It's a shitty situation right now. <laughs> That's right. It's a segue, if nothing else. <laughs> no secret. I got IBS, which means that my tummy bomb goes off every now and then. It says, hey, Dave, now. you got to poop. Your butthole <laughs> is very strong due to the IBS, but it can only hold the dam of shit back so much sometimes that you have uh, to find a bathroom as quickly as you can. And a weirdly, podcast. Home Depot and Lowe's, very clean public bathrooms. I believe that. So I typically will divert myself to one of those if it becomes a bit of an emergency. And this was an emergency. Yeah, I ate Taco Bell for lunch. Okay, guys, I ate Taco Bell for lunch, and I, I caused my own damage. 
It happens. <laughs> it's less an emergency and more planned danger. Right. <laughs> exactly. I was living dangerously. I usually head to a Barnes & Noble myself. Those are pretty good. And especially if you like bring a book in with you. Oh, yeah. Forget you can't it. do that. That's a whole no, thing. Don't do that. So I go to the slows. I get into the bathroom. All the stall doors are closed. There's five of them. I do that weird thing where you kind of are standing far away from the stalls, but you're still peeking under to see if there's any footsies there. Right. See, like, right. Oh, let's see who's there. And all of them are full, except for one in the end. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. That's your moment. As I open that door and lock it, all I hear is one guy and then goes, oh, fuck another. <laughs> so there is a like silence for a good 30 seconds. There's not even fart noises. There's no plops. There's nothing happening. Everybody's sitting there waiting for somebody else to start. And luckily, there was a leader in the group. It was not me. But the guy who was all the way at the end, who I'm pretty sure it was him who audibly sighed, said, well, someone fucking shit so I can shit. <laughs> to which someone else in the row said, you've been here for 10 goddamn minutes. Just fucking shit already. To which he said. You've been here for eight minutes, and I could have shit if you hadn't sat down when you did. So there was a whole thing happening there between these guys. There's another couple minutes of silence. Nothing's happening. Still. To which someone's phone rings, and he picks it up and starts talking. I don't know who he's talking to, but he says, no, go to like aisle six. I don't remember the aisle. He said, I'll be out in a few minutes. So he's talking to somebody who's at the store with him, presumably his wife or something. To which someone else says, I didn't know we could make calls in here. (laughs) Wait a minute. Were these all Lowe's employees? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So someone else gets on the phone and he goes, hey, just want to let you know I'm going to be a few minutes late for my meeting. I'll let you know when I'm out of here. And he hangs up. I was like, what is actually happening right now? I can't figure it out. And then one of the other guys is starting to play videos on his phone. And he's like clicking channels almost like he's trying to find the right thing to watch to which someone says hey put that away so i can fucking shit (laughs) wow another solid minute of silence and me i gotta go so badly but i'm also not gonna be that guy at this point like this is a standoff we're in at this point everybody would be grateful for it you would think but there was a lot of anger and that anger is about to turn into camaraderie (laughs) one of the five gentlemen then goes would anyone mind if I play Limp Biscuit? It helps me shit. Which is the single most buck wild thing I've ever heard come out of a human being's mouth. Wow. So he starts playing Rearranged out of all Out of Limp all of as the entire discography, he went with Rearranged. To which another guy says, would you guys mind if I went on TikTok? It helps me shit. And he's just looking through videos and stuff. You hear laughing and whatever. To which I decided to dive in. And this is the part you're going to like, Brian, because this is where you kind of got involved as I was messaging you. What? And I said, would anyone mind if I video chat my buddy Brian? It helps me shit. (laughs) And I started to dial out to you on Facebook Messenger, and it wouldn't go through. Thank God. To which a good like 30 seconds in, I said to them, like, it's not dialing. Sorry, guys. I can't shit. To which one guy goes, 
fuck Brian. <laughs> and then the other four guys are going, yeah, fuck Brian. That's what I texted you and said, I'm trying to get a video of this man. I'm, trying I'm to get getting a video flashbacks to that Ryan convention video that was going around and everybody That's sent right. to me. But it was just four random strangers taking a shit in a Lowe's yelling, fuck Brian, because the video FaceTime thing wouldn't dial out. Wow. It was wonderful. I love that. Every bit of it. So did everything work out in there for everybody? Yeah, the guy next to me put his music on a little too loud, so I just fired away. Yeah, it was great. At that point, go for it. Yeah, it became an emergency. So I was uh, like second one out of there, I think it was. Nice. Okay. Yes, I I mean, it it worked out pretty well. Last one in, second one out. That's pretty good. Yeah, I still had numb legs, man. It was a while. Just five guys limping out of the Lowe's bathroom. All bonding over, yeah, fuck Brian. Fuck Brian, and my feet are numb. I wish I could have gotten that video for you. Yeah. Um, I, I was messaging you as it was happening of you what were. just fucking happened. <laughs> I'm thankful that you didn't get the FaceTime to work. Why? You would have just seen a red-faced boy who had just eaten Taco Bell. Yeah. Struggling still, to hold it in. It, feel, it still feels like a line that we've yet to cross that I'm okay with, a boundary that is established that is, is fine with me. Well, I'm going to break the walls down Chris Jericho style one day. Well, I'll be very hesitant to answer calls from you for the rest <laughs> of my very life. Fair. Why is he calling me 1230 on a Tuesday? <laughs> oh, that's Taco Bell o'clock. It sure is, usually. Um, so funny face. That's right. Leaving my not, one act Not the one pooping. Dave was making while straining. I wonder what my shit face does look like. Because so I have three kids and I've seen their shit faces. Surprisingly, like any a lot like Audrey Hepburn. looks like. It's a very funny face, then. Very adorable. funny. Adorable. Adorable. Hey, kid, you got a funny face on you. Mind if I kiss it? You look like you need it. Gross. Fred Astaire, super rapey in this movie. Very much so. Uh, Joe heads to Flostra's lecture to sort things out, and some crazy antics occur, and they all find everybody finds themselves at Flostra's shindig. Joe's illusions shatter when Flostra reveals his true colors, meaning, you know, Dick was right, and he tries to get in her pants. Yep. Vase smashing ensues, and everyone's <laughs> realizing that the world of philosophy isn't all it's cracked up to be. Or just 1950s men are not all they're cracked up to be. As we hit the climax, Joe believes Dick's jetting off without her, so she bolts from the runway like she's late for a flash sale. And Dick? Well, he's not one to let true love fly away, so he does what any smitten gentleman would do. He searches high and low, applying some 1950s-style empathicalism <laughs> insights that sound fancy, but really just mean he's following his heart. Right. He gets on a plane, he gets off a plane. This is a very much a pre-9-11 movie. <laughs> gets on the plane, gets off the plane. It's a classic rom-com setup, though, except she's supposed to show up at the airport. No, Billy Idol wasn't there. <laughs> there was no Billy Idol. No slow clap. It was, it was a whole Nothing. thing. And what do we get? The grand finale, a swoon-worthy duet under the moonlight that's so vintage it could be bottled up and sold as retro charm. (laughs) Man, he's so poetic, man. He really is. So there you have it. Funny face, a delightful mix of fashion, romance, and moments that make you grateful for the progressive leaps we've made since the 50s. Our job's done. Ryder McStrikely has taken over. He is, and I love it. Story and motivation. It's a solid six. (laughs) Six? You know what? Sure. It's actually a very simple story. It's like, hey, kid, 
Your face, you should be a model. I don't want to be a model. You want to go to Paris? Yeah. All right, they go to Paris. Hey, look, I'm a model. Yeah, Let's that is fall, fall in, in love in a nutshell. Hey, that guy that you you're fancying about is a uh, he's a bad guy, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older and more frail, though. You could fight me off if you needed to. <laughs> That's what it comes down to, really. That's got to be what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, six for story motivation. Uh, let's talk about casting. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. I still have questions about Audrey Hepburn as the funny face. Agreed completely. I have a lot of questions about the age difference. And the only so thing I don't many. have questions about is Kay Thompson, because she's a musical director. And they put her yeah. in front of the camera this time. And she crushes it. Absolutely crushes it. She might be my favorite part of this movie. I, I agree. I especially love the scene where her and Fred Astaire are doing their Florida accents. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, so good. But yeah, I think I actually do. I think the casting is great for this. Um, you know, side of the times and everything aside, this is pretty excellent. Eight. Eight. Protagonist. Is it Joe? Is it Dick? I kind of think it's Dick. It feels like a Dick movie. I really can't tell, though. That's a problem. It is. I mean, who am I supposed to be rooting for? It could be either of them, because at the end, they're together. That's the thing, you know? They are, but at the same time, it's Kay Thompson who moves this movie along. That's true. It's confusing. Six. Six. For confusion. Uh, the antagonist. Fashion. The Paris. fashion industry. The French. Empathicalism. Empathicalism? <laughs> yeah, that. That sounds like a World of Warcraft spell or something. I've Professor never played World of Warcraft. Flostra? I mean, I could also see kind of... If Dick is the protagonist, then Joe could be the antagonist. In a she way. does go to Paris to become a model and then fucks off from becoming a model. Right. I mean, she's initially... Well, she also has like the, the biggest arc as far as any of the characters go. She has the only arc, yeah. She has the arc of the movie. <laughs> Harrison Ford's looking for it. Yep. Um, God, I really don't know. Seven. Seven for antagonist. Because it felt like there were stakes. Not quite sure what they were, but I felt Something had them. to happen, damn it. And it, it almost didn't, but then it did. So, seven. Screenplay. It's there. It's the, the, you know, the, the fine words of Leonard Gersh from another play that wasn't Funny Face, that was adapted to be Funny Face the movie. Right, and they only used like four songs from the original. Used, They're yeah, like, no, they used, this, that's a lot of songs, but it's not the same. It's not the <laughs> it's same. It's a completely different plot. We're actually going to take it from this other play, but use the songs for Funny Face. Boom, new movie. Look at us. It's fine. There's really nothing special to this screenplay. There's no great one-liners that stand out at all. I was going to say, uh, aren't there? But then I realized that, um, no, there's not, because <laughs> I can't quote any, so... Five, right down the middle. You look like a tree. You got a funny face. Something like that. <laughs> Five for screenplay. <laughs> Style and tone. Ten. I fucking love the way this movie looks. It looks ridiculously good. It's shot in such an interesting way. Stanley Donnan has this magic that he does where he can make this really big idea and big movie really small. And you don't even notice how small he's making it until he opens it up again. It's exactly. a really good trick. Doesn't sing in the rain also. Doesn't even funny face. But more importantly, I want to talk about a man named Wally Westmore. Wally Westmore. 
Wally Westmore was the makeup artist who worked with Audrey Hepburn on Funny Face, Roman Holiday, and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. Audrey Hepburn has one of the most iconic faces yes. possibly in history. Yeah. He used to separate each one of her eyelashes with a sewing pin just so that they would pop more on camera. Individually, each eyelash. Yeah. So think of how dedicated Audrey Hepburn is to the craft that she's willing to have a sewing needle put right up against her incredibly <laughs> famous eyes <laughs> just to get the so look. So many times. That's wow. That is dedication. On both of their parts. It's got to be a 10. It's got to be a 10. Um, I immediately think of the office building of, um, what was the magazine called? Quality. Quality magazine. And in the intro, it has all those doors that are different colors, and it looks awesome. And then as soon as the pink song is over, all the doors are pink. It just looks so incredibly, I love it. I fucking love it. It's such a weirdly closed-in set piece also that, yeah. again, he goes into an office, he closes the space up, and you don't realize, and then he opens it up all over again. He's so good at doing this. It's really well done. Uh, definitely a 10. So speaking of Stanley Dunn, let's, let's talk director. He killed it. Because he always does, and he always will. Exactly. Yeah. I have nothing bad to say about him. He's one of the best musical directors that has ever existed, that ever will be. He's an absolute legend. He does it again here. Another 10. ten. Which brings us to the music. It's fine it is it's it's pretty okay it is george gershwin it is ira gershwin it is roger yeah. edens it's fine there's nothing special about it there's no real chorus to anything i noticed that how everything just seems to just continue on and doesn't there's no hook really you can't really sing along to this stuff i mean unless you watch it a lot like you're, if well, you're obsessed with funny face you might be able to hum a tune. Maybe. And that's a Either solid maybe. The titular song or the how long has this been going on or the he loves, she loves or the clap your hands or the so wonderful. Think pink. Think pink was just so good. And so good timely. opener. Somehow incredibly timely. I think it's okay. Bonjour um, Paris was actually a pretty good number. That was a really good number, but it was because of the way it was shot. That's true. I think that it's fine. And Audrey Hepburn sang she danced all on her yeah, own in this one this and her it worst musical and if you've never heard audrey Hepburn speak it's jarring every single time <laughs> it never becomes less jarring you never really get used to it you don't she has a really strange accent because she is british she is dutch and oh boy do you hear both of those things in full force yes every time and you're like what is oh right right audrey Hepburn. music uh Five. It's not bad. It's not great. Maybe a six. I can go to. I, I'm. I think I'll go six on this one. Okay. Just because uh, the music is such a big part of the movie itself. I'm feeling pretty good about about where we're scoring this thing. I feel like we're being realistic about it. Yeah. To the point that we're almost at the end, and I don't know what the Rotten Tomatoes score is, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to be as high as this movie probably gets. So. That's I confidence. feel like we're we're probably That's confidence right there. That is confidence. You just opened a fresh drink with yep. two scores left. I don't I feel like we're we're probably underscoring this compared to what the Rotten Tomatoes is, if I had to guess right. That's now. what my guess is. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh box office. This movie actually famously on its initial release was a disappointment and did not even break even. It had a three million dollar budget, it only made two and a half million. But when My Fair Lady came out in sixty four, they re released this movie uh, and Paramount 
ended up making uh, a profit on it in 64, finally. Sure. It was a good way to make it up for what they lost. Yeah. But um, uh, there's really no numbers attached to it other than that initial three million, two and a half million. So I feel like we just got to give this thing like the break even score of a three. I think that's fair. And that brings us to our final category, the impact on the industry. Audrey Hepburn's first musical. Audrey Hepburn's first musical. Pretty big. Also, National Board of Review gave this a special special citation award for the f- photographic innovations. Words, yeah. Of, all A those. lot of big words to say that people thought this movie looked neat. That's right. Also, this is one of Fred Astaire's final big roles at this point. Yeah. And Fred Astaire... Yeah absolute Hollywood legend, him and Ginger Rogers, nothing was bigger right? when right. they were in their heyday. And here he's kind of on his way out a little bit. It was kind of a strange thing to see him even in this movie. Yeah. But kind of when Audrey man. wants the man, you got to get the man. You got to get the man. Uh, he was uh, nominated for a Golden Laurel for top male musical performance for this movie. What is a Golden Laurel? I imagine it has something to do with musicals. Okay. <laughs> um, the Writers Guild of America recognized Leonard Gersh with a nomination for Best Written American Musical. And uh, Stanley Donnan was nominated by the Directors Guild of America for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Motion Pictures and a Golden Palm at the 57 Cannes Film Festival. That's a lot of nominations. A lot of nominations. And also received four Academy Award nominations for Best Writing Story and Screenplay. Uh, best costume design, best cinematography, and best art direction. Set we direction. shit all over one of those. We certainly did. <laughs> uh, impact on the industry. I'll go with a seven. Yeah, I mean, got a whole lot of nominations, and it it kind of brought an Audrey Hepburn into a new genre that that she's you know very very well fit for. And you know, Fred Astaire, uh, he was there too. Sure. Seven for impact on the industry because, uh, you know what? I did like it. I did too. I really did. It felt long at points, but at points, I but liked I mean, it. It's only 103 minutes. It, it clocked in at a decent, you know what it is? The musical numbers were all a little bit longer than they needed to be. Absolutely. But that is going to give Funny Face a total score of a 68. Yeah, totally safe. Which is very Could be safe here. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critical score is 88%, and the audience score is 80%. Oh, yeah, we weren't even close. Not even close. So we're safe from the drinking. That's kind of a low score for a movie that we liked. I, it but really is. Um, what are you going to do? It's been a while since we've scored something we enjoyed that low. Yeah, agreed. And that's been all audience August, folks. Uh, thank you so much for submitting your picks. The ones who got picked, make sure you write us back. you got to fill in your spots again. Yeah, I know fill, I'm fill, in those, fill in those recommendations so we can get you back in the next time we do one of these, which is end of next month. And also uh, be on the lookout October. Uh, we're, we're probably doing a spooky month. So if you want to get in your spooky suggestions, we'll even put your regular ones on hold for the month. So when we do that drawing, we can get a nice horror flick in there. Um, if you guys would send those recommendations on to the, uh, the beer, me a movie pod at gmail.com or, or send them to us on Facebook or wherever you want to send them. But uh, I think right now we have to figure out what we're talking about next week so dave i'm gonna need you to bear me a movie it's finally my turn finally god the pressure it's so high (laughs) like i don't know how to take this edge off from all this pressure except 
to go into the woods and do an absolute fuck ton of drugs when I'm not hibernating. Because we are finally talking about 2023's Cocaine Bear. I love it. That was literally one of the next things on my list, so that is perfect pick and honestly is going to segue really nicely into my birthday pick the weekend the week after i don't know how it possibly unless you're going to pick like grizzly man or something like Grizz- that damn it now i gotta pick something different <laughs> we've been joking about cocaine bear for so damn long for and so now long. That it's finally streaming hell yes it's time to watch it hey yeah absolutely uh cocaine bear has been on my list of things to watch since i heard about it being rumored to be made so you put together two perfect words and you got my attention (laughs) two perfect words you know cocaine and bear individually great words together i can't wait next week cocaine bear until then be sure to rate review subscribe thank you guys for listening thanks for for joining us on on this uh Augience month. I think I came back around on Augience. I think I like it again. Well, maybe next year we'll do it again. Who knows how maybe. bad we will fuck up again? It <laughs> depends on how how bad we mess up July. Um, send us your movie suggestions. Uh, BearMeMoviePod at gmail.com. Also, our patrons, as always, get double picks. Um, just like three of the four Augience picks were from patrons, so they had double the odds. Uh, this month on Patreon, we are doing a Fast food burger bracket. We've assembled a, a group of the familiar faces, and it, it should be a very, very good time. I'm very excited for it. If you guys didn't hear the, I don't want to use the word Royal Rumble, but that's kind of what it was. It was a wrestling <laughs> bracket was. that we did. I, it's a lot of people involved in doing the bracket. It's not just me and Brian going back and yeah. forth this time. There's a lot of different voices in there. There's a lot of different opinions in there. Uh, you, you know all the voices you're going to hear. It's going to be a really good time. The usual suspects, and it's it's going to be yeah. We're gonna. I have a feeling we're going to have some actual arguing on this one, unlike we did with the the wrestling one, where we were just kind of like, yeah, sure, that's great. They're all fucking idiots. I'll throw it out there right away, just so I can start right. the arguments preemptively. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, you're wrong about your opinions. <laughs> that's right. Follow us on social media, at Beer Me Movie Pod, on X while we have it, because, you know, if they make me verify an identity, I'm out of there. And at Beer Me Movie on everything else, especially Facebook, where we always put up a post on our recording days asking for your questions and comments. And we surprisingly got one for this episode. Hey! I was not expecting one. I, I thought the odds were pretty low. But Jeff Miners came in and he said, I got you, boys. Nice. He said, so I did a little research of movies released in 1957, which means he probably just did a Google and said, these boys, they need a question. (laughs) Thank you for having our back, Jeff. He said, wed, bed, behead. 12 Angry Men. Oh. Old Yeller. (laughs) And the bridge on the River Kwai. Okay, I feel very confident in answering this, having seen none of these movies. I'm going to (laughs) wed 12 Angry Men. Yeah. I am going to bed uh, the River Kwai, and I'm going to take Old Yeller out back and do what needs to be done. See, the Old Yeller one was the obvious one. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to bed 12 Angry Men. Okay. That sounds like a better time. I don't want to marry it because there's a lot of bickering in that. I don't need real marriage to float into fake marriage here at all. (laughs) So uh, Bridge on River Kwai, Alec Guinness, high five. We're getting married. I can't wait. Jeff, thanks for giving Uh, us something to talk about, I guess. Thank you. Yeah. 
<laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for listening. I'm throwing out a warning shot right now. I'm going to class this motherfucker up in the next few weeks after Cocaine Ooh. Bear. Yeah, we're Getting going you know, the way back bear. machine on a few things. We have to. We have to, because this one it felt was, real good. It really did. It was nice to, to get a little culture back in my in my life. You needed it. <laughs> More than most. And I'm the one who told a Lowe's poop story. <laughs> yeah, well, I was the one that everybody was cursing, so. That's a very, very good point. For what it's worth, when I left Lowe's, because time had passed, an awkward <laughs> amount of time had passed, I did buy a uh, new replacement for my weed whacker. New oh, string okay. for it, because I felt like I had to buy something. I felt obligated. Sure. I <laughs> occupied your bathroom for half an hour. I should buy something. I have to at that point. But now, also, now when I'm going to be like using that weed whacker in the backyard, cutting around those edges, making them look real nice, I'm going to be thinking of my new friends. Yeah, your, your new friends, and also a little, a little bit of fuck Brian. Always fuck Brian. <laughs> you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. Next week, get yourself a nice log from outside, drizzle some cocaine right on it, and <laughs> drizzle. Because we're talking cocaine bear! We'll see you next week. Bye.